0: I wanted to continue the series that he started a month ago called World Changers, um, and he's taught for the last couple of months, has, hasn't it been pretty incredible what you've been listening to? He's taught on Peter, James, John, Andrew, you know, and these are, what, what I mean by World Changers is like the original 12 disciples, like he's been going through and seeing how Jesus' team to change the world wasn't exactly the textbook team. They were kind of not who you would normally pick to change the world. I know I wouldn't pick them on my team. These are a bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, and just guys with problems. They're just average Joes. You know, so um, they're not really qualified enough. But then who I'm going to teach about today, you would think on the surface he is qualified, you know, because he has like a really big resume we're going to look into here in a little bit. But there's just one problem with this guy. He's trying to kill your movement. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. And uh, if you didn't know this about him, when he started out, he was no Christian at all. He actually was persecuted in the church and other Christians. He was trying to kill Peter, James, and John. And yet this is the guy that Jesus wanted on the team. And so we're gonna pick up in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and read, it's gonna start in verse three. You can follow along on the screens or your Bibles. It says this, for I delivered to you As of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive or were at the time. Then it was I or they, so we preach, and you believed. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this moment that you brought us here in the midst of 2020, in the midst of our diversity, in the midst of our differences and weaknesses. Lord, we are here to hear from you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive from your spirit revelation right where we are. I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, God, that would bring you glory. I pray that you would use me as a vessel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So when you look at this verse, we're gonna be uh, focusing on verse 10 a lot. And that verse says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And when you look at that verse, it could almost be a license to just do whatever you want. I am what I am. And let, let me explain what I mean. I am what I am. I'm an alcoholic, so I just might as well own it. And if that one's too serious, if that one's too strong, we can, we can have fun with this, right? Like, hey, I'm a New Yorker, this is how I drive. You don't like it, get out of my way. I am what I am. I see you New Yorkers here, I see y'all. Okay. But in my case, I might say something like, hey, I'm a dad, I got a dad bod, I am what I am. Why do I need to exercise? No matter where you are, it's not a license to do whatever you want. Paul was not saying Take me or leave me, it is what it is, I am what I am. That's not what he was saying at all. Because if you look at the verse, he says, I worked harder than any of them. I I was willing to do whatever it took for this gospel. I'm willing to do whatever. He was not talking about being passive. He, on the contrary, was saying, I am trying to be who God called me to be, who I was made to be. So just like this verse has a context, our lives have a context. You were made to be someone. I would like to simply call it the will of God for your life. And when you're outside the will of God in your life, you're out of context. And people know this because they feel it on the inside. They don't feel quite satisfied. They don't feel content. They feel unfulfilled. A life out of context, a life out of God's will is gonna be void of peace and purpose. People ask questions all the time of, what are we here for? I cannot explain to you the meaning of life, but I can explain the meaning of my life. I know what I am. I know what I'm called to, and that's why we're gonna look at Paul's life because we gotta look at ourselves in context, and I think that we can get a glimpse from Paul himself. It's about knowing who we are. So I'm gonna make a few points, and the first one is this. When you know who you are, you know what you are. When you know who you are, you know what you are. Notice he says, I am what I am, not I am what I do. And some of us build our identities around our careers. We build our identities and we get comfortable about how much money we make or how we measure up compared to the people at work. And and we get used to our identities being something about what we do. But that is a dangerous game to play because you can be feeling good about yourself this week and think that it's tied to how well you did and how well you behaved. Or you could, and that could build pride. Or on the contrary, you could, uh, you could have insecurities because of your guilt, because of your shame, because of your past. And that's why we're going to look at Paul's life to see that I am what I am. I am not what I do. You, you see that he has this in his story a little bit because he sounds almost insecure. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least one, right? Like he was chosen last. You could say but he says, "I'm the least of the apostles." Why why did he say? Because I persecuted the church. Hey, do you know world changers have a past? You can you can have mistakes in your past and God will still use you. Imagine if Paul said, "You know what? I persecuted the church. Thanks God, but no thanks. No way you're going to use me now." I think God chose Paul because he wanted to pick the most random person that seems to be disqualified based on his past, and he goes, I'm going to use you from this moment, and you are gonna change the world. I'm gonna use you to change the world so that I can inspire other people who are gonna think they're disqualified because of their past mistakes. Amen? Amen? Amen. Y'all with me today? Because I'm wondering if there's any Apostle Pauls in here that are not even willing to run the race because you have some mistakes in your past, you have some things that you did wrong, and you don't feel like you can go on in God's will, but God still plan for you. Say amen. See, even world changers make mistakes. Though he was called, he was still complex. He was still human and he had to change himself. What good is it being a world changer if you cannot change you? I'm going to stop right there because some people like to tell other people what they need to do in their life and what they need to correct in their life, And Jesus had some strong sayings like, hey, what good is it to point out the speck in your brother's eye if you can't even fix the plank in your own? So before you go on Facebook this week telling everybody what's wrong with the world, you might wanna just look in the mirror and fix the person looking back at you, amen? Leave that one. Y'all sound sensitive today. Are y'all sensitive? All right, look. Because my pastor in Louisiana had this saying, I'll never forget it. He used to say, it is 10,000 times more important what God does in you than what he does through you. So that's why we're stopping here first because if we talk about Paul's accomplishments and how great Paul was, we're gonna be sitting here like thinking about Paul, but we need to be thinking about the Lord and his grace in our lives. And in Paul's situation, before he could go and do great things for God and for the kingdom, he had to first be knocked down. Let me tell you what I mean. He had his encounter with the Lord after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. It was on the road to Damascus where he actually wasn't even known as Paul. He he was actually going by the title Saul. Now, why is that important? Saul means desired. If you translate that name, the name Saul means desired. The name Paul means small. And so when he's living that life of his, that identity of being desired, he's he's actually persecuting the church. He's trying to live his life in a way that is religious, based on his behavior, based on his accomplishments, and you're gonna see that he has a list of accomplishments. But when he was living that life, that's where Jesus had to humble him, knock him off his high horse, so to speak. And in that moment, he said, why are you persecuting me? It humbled Paul in such a way that when he would write his letters, and you go and look this up, when he would start his letters to the church, he would write, Paul, called to be an apostle. Why wouldn't you go by the title Saul? Why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you boast in being desirable? Because I think that he had such a moment with God, God did something in him that was gonna last forever. So everything that God would do through him is because this moment of God doing something in him first. He had to deal with the pride. He had to deal with his behaviors. He had to deal with his attitudes. He had to deal with the condition of his heart before he could use them. And some of us want to be used by God, but first God might want to fix some things inside of you so that you might be more effective. If you want to be who God called you to be, you have to change. You have to change. Now, I'm gonna give you another point is because I think that Paul was caught in between this, this two identity thing, right? The Saul, the Paul. I think he was caught in between. That's the way I look at it anyway. But, but when you know who you are, you'll know what you're not. Because Paul oftentimes had, he compared himself with other preachers, other people, and you know, like, I, gotta, I feel like I came here to tell somebody today that it's okay to be you. Like, Don't try to be something that you're not. Because the worst version of you is the best version of something that you're not. So trying to be someone that you're not called to be, you're going to be out of context. And you're going to have a hard time. You're going to be caught in these comparison battles like Paul was. He finds himself uh, defending himself in these letters. He's like, I'm I'm not like the super apostles like Apollos. I don't know if you're familiar with the text, but he gets into a lot of these different discussions. Go read 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and it's like he's defending his ministry. Now, I don't know if you know this about Paul or not, but he wasn't like the most incredible person when he was alive. And I mean that to say like he didn't know, he didn't drink his own Kool-Aid, okay? That's what I mean. Like we look at him now and we're like, dude, the apostle Paul, like that's a big dog, right? Back then, he wasn't that impressive, he had to defend himself talking about like my ministry, you know, like uh, I'm not that great of a speaker, you know, and like I'm not, I'm not in comparison to Apollos, but he had to get comfortable in his own skin and say, I'm not Apollos, I'm not Peter, I'm not James, I'm not John, I am Paul, I am what I am. And you could take, you need to accept who God made you to be and stop trying to be something that you're not because you look foolish, I'll just go back to my notes here. Just don't get caught in comparing yourself because you do not find your worth in other people. I'm not who they want me to be, I'm not who they thought I was, but I'm, not also, I'm also not inferior. So stop defending yourself to people that you don't need to be wasting your time on anyway. You're special. You, God made you and he doesn't make junk. He made you pretty special, What did you say? Which brings me to my next point is this, when you know who you are, you'll know what you're worth. You'll know what you're worth. Don't apologize for who you are. God made you so don't insult his design. People will try to box you in what fits in their mind, what fits, they'll maybe even project limitations based on their own life or their own insecurities, they'll project them on you because they can handle you at 90% but they don't want the 100. They don't want all of it because they can't take all that. Just tell them, I'm too complicated to fit in your box. I'm not gonna fit into your world and your understanding. I'm gonna be me today, is that okay? You need to look at your neighbor and say, can I be me? Don't try to figure out my call, it's complicated. I'm complicated. Anybody else in here complicated, wave at me. I'm complicated. I got a past, but I also got a future. I'm complicated. I'm living, I'm living in between two worlds. I got what I was and what I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm living in two worlds. I'm feeling it now. You gotta be confident enough what God made you to be. Confidence goes a long way. How do you think I got my wife? Okay? Some of you guys need to take notes. Confidence, okay? You don't even have to have it all figured out. You just gotta be confident. You are valuable even when someone doesn't see or understand your worth. I'm gonna say that again for some some lady in here that needs to hear this. You are valuable even if that man doesn't understand your worth, okay? So stop living under and stop settling. God made you precious. You're a daughter of the king. You need to start living like that. Start believing in yourself. Stop selling yourself short. You gotta start believing that God made you beautiful. Look, Jesus died for you except the fact that you're both loved and complicated. You can be confident and complicated. Don't get your value from anyone else other than Jesus. You have to know your worth because it's attached to your identity. I'm gonna say a few things, try to stay with me, I'm gonna speak fast. Calling flows from identity. When you're trying to live out that calling of your life, it's gonna be hard to do if you don't know who you are first. Identity and context equals calling. Let me say it like this. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You hear me? If you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Some of us are wandering. We're trying to get our degree. We're trying to get that next career. We're trying to move to another city. Can I tell you something? Wherever you go, there you are. I saw that hanging in a rib city one time. I thought that was just good. (laughs) Because you can move cities, but you still got to deal with you. And when you deal with you, when you get that identity fixed, it's so natural how the fruit flows from that. Let me say it like this. Oranges come from orange trees. You don't go to an orange tree looking for an apple, do you? And the people coming to your life, should, it should be natural. The fruit, the fruit that is flowing from your life should not be manufactured. So stop trying to polish this fake fruit in your life. Just be real. Let God work some things out in you because there's a harvest inside through the Holy Spirit. Need that living water. Your identity is not defined by what you do. What you do flows from being in your calling. When, when who you are meets what you are called to be, you'll bear fruit. And what was the fruit of Paul's life? What was he known for? I asked a few people this week, and this was the most common answer I got, is I, when I think of Paul, I think of his ministry. And, and maybe you feel the same way, maybe you got a different idea, but I'd say that's pretty accurate. He is, he is credited to writing two-thirds of the New Testament. By that, I mean just letters and words, just like as far as the things that we understand about church, we didn't get from the gospels, we got from Paul. So you'd say like, that's pretty accurate. He was known by his ministry, right? But what was his ministry exactly? It was that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. What does that mean? Well, anyone in here born Jewish? I didn't think so, very few of us anyway. Gentile means not naturally born Jew. You're you're opposite, you weren't from Israel, were you? (laughs) So you would say Apostle Paul's call is pretty important to everybody in this room. And I would agree too, because without his ministry to the Gentiles, me and you wouldn't be sitting here. He was willing to be the bridge. He was willing to do the difficult task of risking himself because, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but Israel was under Roman rule. And for you to be an apostle to your enemy, you would have to go and tell them, You guys are actually wrong. Caesar isn't the real king. There's another guy in this invisible place called heaven named Jesus. You need to repent of your sins and turn to him. Yeah, does that sound like a really successful ministry anyone wants to sign up for? That sounds the opposite of good. But Paul was willing to risk himself to go be in his call, to go be what he was. When all the other apostles, and not all of them, but most of them, wanted to live within the Jewish community and do Jewish things. Paul had to go and break down the scriptures for us. God used Paul to speak our language. So we knew that we didn't have to become Jewish to become saved. We needed to find freedom in Christ and that's because of the letters of Paul that we ultimately get that from. Now, that's odd to me because you chose a guy that's really, really qualified, really, really intelligent when it comes to Jewish culture and his resume's big. He would say things like, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's a weird flex, but okay, bro, okay? (laughs) But he was really qualified to be Jewish. Why would you send this guy to the Gentiles and let your fishermen and your tax collectors minister to the Jewish community? Because what God has for your life doesn't always make sense on the surface. Who he made you to be isn't going to be understood by you or anybody that easily. But if you think about it, when you look upon further review in retrospect, it actually worked pretty well. Think about this he was born in Rome, so he was a Roman citizen. This would come into play later in his journeys. It actually worked for him. It's like being an American citizen and, like, look, I'm American, you know, like it just works in your favor sometimes. That's what happened with Paul. He had dual citizenship. He understood both the cultures of the Jewish community and the world's community. So he could be the bridge that binds them together. Some of us are trying to pick a side right now, and you need to stop trying to pick a side. You need to be the bridge to say, look, I'm going to be like Paul. In my call, I'm not going to pick a side. I'm going to bridge this community with this community, and this is that place. Amen? <laughs> Citygate doesn't need to be a side, Citygate is a bridge. We're trying to be in that call where we don't pick red or blue, black or white. Look, we're trying to be a bridge where we can agree and disagree and we can still love each other because we're called to the same purpose, amen? I needed some water on that one, I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is God will use parts about you that you don't even realize were important yet. For someone who's in here says, But, you know, you don't know my past. Let me tell you something. Where you lived, your family history, what you were doing, your past mistakes, what happened to you when you were a kid. Yes, he'll use all of it. He'll use it all. God won't waste any part of you for your calling. Do you think what happened to you is by accident? Where you were born, everything in your family history, like, it's not an accident. God has a lot of purpose in those pasts mistakes, and those past failures, and he will use it just like he did the Apostle Paul. He'll use it when it's in context. He'll even use your weaknesses, which brings me to my last point. When you know who you are, you'll see it in context. When you know who you are, you'll see it in context. Paul is not a world changer because he was a rock star. What did he say in that verse that we read earlier? He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's a humble approach to what we've been talking about. He doesn't say, I am what I am, I'm awesome, I'm superior, I'm smart, I'm Jewish, I'm nothing. He says, by the grace of God, I am here. I am what I am because of God's grace. You know what puts everything into context? Grace. Who needs some grace in 2020? Because because without grace, you'd be looking at your problems. And you'd be saying to yourself, man, I don't even know what is going on. Can we just cancel this thing? Can we just, can we change this? But when you see it in context, you see Jesus. And you see that he took a cross and he turned it into a resurrection. I think Paul tapped into some of that because he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I die daily. And he said, these things are temporary. And my pain had a purpose. Hmm. He said, it hurt me, but it also helped me. Come on now, it hurt me, but it also helped me. My pain has a purpose. And he can use even your struggles to turn you into some strength. He can turn the struggles into strengths. Your scars have a story is what I'm trying to say. Your scars have a story. Look, I'm gonna gonna read 2 Corinthians 12 if if the worship team can come help me with this. I'm gonna read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and then I wanna tell you about a scar that I have. 2 Corinthians 12 says this. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Three different times I begged the Lord to take 2020 away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults in the hardships, the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I want to share a story about a scar that I have. If you haven't seen it already, I have some stitches right here on my head. Um, and this is, this is probably the seventh or eighth mole that I've had cut off of my body because years ago, I lost a friend to skin cancer and it, and it became as extreme as it was because he had moles that weren't detected early enough and the cancer got into his blood and it flowed through his body and it ended up taking his life. And he was my age. So I took my moles pretty seriously after that moment. I learned from his his struggle, right? And so for me, um, I I get checked every six months and they found two moles this time, one's on my back. When you hug me today, please don't smack my back. Um, And then one's right here on my head. Now, um, suppose that I went to the doctor and he goes, we found two moles, they have precancerous cells and uh, if you, you could leave them because there's not guaranteed that they're gonna turn to cancer um, or we can do a surgery, we can cut them out, we can stitch you up and we can get rid of it. Suppose I said to him, yeah, I don't really like stitches, you know, like the whole cutting thing. I, I'm not really interested. I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. It's really inconvenient for my life. Well, I can tell you this, that in my friend Benji's life, the moles turned into cancer, and the cancer killed, took his life. And I think, that, I think of these moles like I think of sin in my life. And maybe you can too, is if you leave the sin, if you leave the lust and the pride and the hate and the bitterness, if you leave that in your life, it could kill you. And that's why we have to go through the painful process of change. We have to say to ourselves, God, what is your will for my life? Because for me to think that I'm in control is to live out of context. It's to live out of that grace. You have to put yourself under the doctor's hand and is the doctor's care for your life that says this is gonna hurt, but it's also gonna help. I'm gonna cut some areas about you that don't belong. They don't fit. That's not who I made you to be. And when they get removed, you get, it's funny how you get put into context. It's funny how grace begins to take over. I'll deal with the stitches because it's going to save my life. And there's some things that we've been resisting under God's care for our life, out of context. We've been living out of context, thinking that it's better fit for us. But I can tell you if you don't trust Him, it could kill you. The worship team's going to come up, and we'll close in prayer in just a minute.
1: This is where I'm meant to be
0: like I was supposed to come here today and find those living out of context. So if you would, please stand up and let's have a moment where we can focus on where we are when it comes to us and the Lord. If God has made you and God has called you to be something, what is that? And I I would love a moment of of privacy for a second. If you can close your eyes and bow your heads, give me a moment to just talk to that person who's been living out of context. It's not that perfection is your context. You don't have to be perfect. But you've been living away from God, outside of his will for your life. And it's obvious because the fruit of your life is discontentment. There is no peace. You're void of purpose. But you're here today to get back into context. The only context that is going to free you to be who you were made to be, is the blood of Jesus. There's nothing else that can help your life, your soul, other than Jesus and what he did for you on that cross. If you haven't made a confession of faith and you haven't given your life to the Lord, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. When I count to three, if you would like to get your life into context and you wanna live that calling, that purpose, that identity that God created you to be, here's your chance. One, two, three. Hands up. Hands up all over the room. People that have been living outside of God's will. I see them all in the balcony and on the floor. Would you pray with me? Leave your hands up. Lord, you see our hands. Lord, the the surrender that it takes to lift them up. We're risking embarrassment. Lord, we're getting outside of our securities to say we need you and we want you. Lord, what you paid for on the cross gives me that identity to be a son or a daughter of the living God. So Lord, I accept that. My new title, my new identity, my new calling is what you created and intended to begin with. I pray that you would take every person that has lifted a hand as an act of surrender, as an act of trust, and an act of faith, and that you would move them into that calling, you would move them into that context. Give them the joy and the peace and the purpose that is in their calling. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give God glory for all these people? Before you go. Before you go, I I think there might be another group of us in here that's been getting our identity by what we do, how much is in our bank account, or where we measure up compared to our friends and people our own age. But I'm here to get delivered from that myself. Amen? Can we all lift our hands up? Can we all give this to God and say, Lord, Lord, I am yours. You are my calling. I'm a son or daughter of the living God. I want to be that. And nothing more and nothing less. I don't have to get anyone's approval. I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. In Jesus' name, amen.